Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Squat Cobbler. Hopefully, I sound a little bit better, although I still sound like shit. I'm at least on a real microphone. My name is Mike. You can find me at Official Pagan on everything, and joining me as always. Hi, everybody. This is Kelly at K E L L Y T H U L on Twitter and Instagram. I'm very excited to be doing this episode, Kelly. One, because I'm sick. And I feel like there's a certain manic energy when you're sick. This isn't a joke. I feel like sometimes when you're sick and you're doing something you're really into, it just adds a weird energy to it. Sometimes that's really cool. So who knows what's going to happen. Plus, we said before we started this, it was going to be a short episode. So buckle up. It's about to be four hours. Yeah, I think I think that whole sick uh, high energy thing fits in. I think during the times of the plague, that was actually some of the best high energy times in Europe. So. Well, Uh, but yeah, and clearly you sound so much better in terms of the audio. You're you're out of the well, but a consequence of broadcasting the last few episodes from the well is you've got a cold. So you know you win some, you lose some. These things happen. What are you going to do? Luckily, though, while I was down there, I was still getting some phone reception, so I could listen to the dwarves' gash wagon on repeat. See, worked it in naturally. Subtly, boy, I was just it was seamless, well played. Had I not pointed it out, you wouldn't have even noticed. Well. In the interest of keeping it quick, air quotes, I'll get straight to my recommendation. We're doing a recommendation show this week, kids. Uh, I'll get straight into my recommendation. So this is something I've, I've had on the back burner for a little while. I remember seeing something about it when it initially hit YouTube, and then I watched it like months later, and I regret not watching it the day that it came out because I've re-watched it since. And for, it's a YouTube video. For a YouTube video, it's a little long. It's an hour long, but completely worth the watch. There is a YouTube channel called Gaming Historian. So Kelly and I have discussed video games a little bit. And when I did my C64 mini recommendation, we discussed a little bit, particularly retro gaming. I'm a big retro gamer. There's all these, you know, reissues of old systems, mini versions of systems, plug and play systems that are coming out now. And I've been putting this one off on the back burner for a special occasion. And today that special occasion hit. Uh, So were you a Sega Genesis guy at all, Kelly? I was not. Was under heavy consideration. Ended up not going that way. Kind of jumped from Atari, the traditional Atari set, into the Nintendo 64 environment, then into the PlayStation world. Very nice. I mean, still excellent choices. I, I was a Sega guy, though. Not that I wasn't a Nintendo guy. I just think there's there's a lot of really interesting variety of games on Sega that you didn't get on Nintendo. I'm not saying better, just different. And there is a variety because uh, Nintendo had some restrictions in terms of content and things like that. They, they were a little infamously a little bit more tight on the third party content that was coming out on there, which is going to play into my recommendation as well. As everybody knows, one of the biggest titles for Nintendo and particularly for the Game Boy iteration of of their console, the launch title, the pack-in title for it. And one of the biggest titles for the NES was Tetris. Were you a Tetris guy at all, Kelly? Uh, Yes, yes, I was. So Tetris, of course, started out as a PC game. It was ported to arcades, which always was interesting to me. I I just can't imagine the arcade action of Tetris. I, I was a Tetris fan, though. Now, here's where it got weird for me. I remember playing Tetris on Nintendo. And I had rented it and I had a couple friends who had it, but I didn't have it myself. And then I went out and bought Tetris and it wasn't the same game. Did you have this experience, Kelly? I mean, there there are so many variations of Tetris through the different platforms that I'm not surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if I kind of uh, branched off to one through there, but there, there are variations were endless. So this thing happened where there were two competing versions of Tetris for the Nintendo. And it has to do with a a complex licensing issue and also Nintendo's own restrictions on third-party content that led to a legal battle between them 
and Atari, who was publishing unlicensed games for Nintendo under the name Tengen. And they had a version of Tetris that I and some other people would argue is actually better than the version that everybody is familiar with for Nintendo, the classic Nintendo branded version of Tetris. So the reason that I bring Sega into this is because Sega was actually one of the first systems to kind of get into this plug and play mini version of console thing. They were doing this years ago, long before Nintendo really popularized it with the NES classic. However, Sega wasn't actually doing it. There's a company called at games and at games had licensed the Sega console look and a bunch of games and were releasing like mini plug and play Genesis looking games that you could plug in your TV and had Genesis licensed Genesis games built in along with other stuff that were already, you know, pre packaged in with the, with the little system. I'm not going to get into at games because that's not a part of what the recommendation is, but let's just say Sega fans for the most part, were largely disappointed in these releases. I kind of fall in the middle with it. I do have one of the at game Sega releases. I still have my original Genesis and I also have some of the, the peripheral add-ons and things for it big sega guy as i said and i did get one of the at games ones and it's not great (laughs) um it's sort of cheaply made the roms aren't the best the emulation's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination i also only paid like 20 dollars for it so yeah i kind of balance that out if that makes sense (laughs) this isn't like you know an an nes classic or an snes classic which launched in the you know 70 dollar range somewhere in there depending on where you purchased it this was something i paid about 20 dollars for and i feel like i got 20 dollars of entertainment of nostalgic entertainment out of it for that so for whatever that's worth but sega has announced that they're doing an official sega (laughs) mini console initially it was going to be developed by at games but because of the mixed reaction to what Ed Games had done already with their plug-and-play games, Sega decided to take this entirely in-house, officially making this the first actual Sega console release in quite a long time. I, I don't have... Somebody can fact-check me. I, I don't know exactly how long it is, but this is something that's being developed now entirely in-house. One of the cool things about it, and again, it's Sega has released... They, they've been a, a game and software developer for a long time now, so they've reissued a lot of their, their standard back catalog titles many, many times on a number of platforms. There are these Sega-branded plug-and-play things out there that are officially licensed. So when this was kind of announced, everybody was like, well, why do we care? <laughs> like, what's... What makes this different? Yeah, they'll look better. But again, you can get, you know, the the compilations from Sega themselves. So why care about this? And then they announced that it was going to come with 40 games, which is more than a lot of their competitors come packed with, which is great. But again, you can emulate these games for free. You can buy any of the compilations that are out there. So then they started, Sega announced they were going to announce the games in waves of 10 at a time. The last wave was announced today. And throughout the first couple of waves, people started to really get excited about this mini console because it wasn't just the expected games. It wasn't just Sonic and Altered Beast and all the games that Sega is known for. There were a lot of weird third-party games on there, including really rare Sega titles that a lot of people aren't familiar with. Then there was licensed content, including Disney games, which really kind of threw people. So they really put like Sega's putting the money behind this because you have to think that at this point, this is one of the things that hurt 
to a small degree, Nintendo, and to a huge degree, the failed launch of the PlayStation Mini was not having third-party content on there because they couldn't get the license back for them. Sega went all out, even has Disney licensed content on here. So today, they announced the fourth wave of games, and it turns out that instead of 40 games, it's going to have 42 games. And part of that surprise was one of the games that'll be included. And again, there's been many surprises. There's a lot of cult games, a lot of lesser-known games, some that were only really least in certain territories, but today they announced that it was going to have Tetris. That's a really big deal if one of the two secret games. Um, that's a really, really big deal because for many, many years now, Sega has denied that Tetris was ever even on the Sega Genesis. <laughs> the official comment from Sega is that that game never existed. So obviously it did. So, and again, them pumping money into this. So what I'm recommending that people go out and again, now it's timely because of the Sega thing is they go and watch the video on the gaming historian channel called the story of Tetris. It is an hour long in depth, very detailed, very high production value documentary about the history of the game Tetris and how that game really influenced our trade dealings with Russia during the cold war. There's a lot of politics in it. It's way more intricate than you would think for an old puzzle video game that, you know, your parents, maybe even grandparents at this point, <laughs> were playing on their, their first generation Game Boys. It had a, a way bigger influence on international politics than you might imagine it did. And it's a really interesting, really, really well put together documentary. But it also gets into the battle for Nintendo and their fight with third parties and retaining licensed content and things like that. They were basically pushing to become the only system with Tetris when at one time Tetris was ported to almost everything with multiple companies handling the ports of them, which led to many different variations of Tetris, including, as I mentioned, two that were on Nintendo, one by Tengen, which I would argue is a little bit better. It had some extra features and things like that that Nintendo brought in for their later sequels and spinoffs, but was not included in the more bare bones version that everybody's used to. One of the things, though, that for many years people have claimed is that while Sega handled the arcade version of Tetris, which again, I can't quite imagine, there was rumors for a long time that there was, in fact, a Sega Genesis version of Tetris that nobody could find. A few cartridges have turned up, which Sega denies ever existed. Uh, there are less than 10 of them that have ever been confirmed to be legitimate cartridges. Again, Sega still says they're not real. One of which sold relatively recently, I believe, for over a million dollars. So this is an incredibly rare sought-after game that its own system claims doesn't exist. That now, as part of this big rollout to show off what they're financially putting into the Sega Genesis Mini system, you can finally get the Sega version of Tetris. So I'm actually really, really excited because I wanted to recommend this documentary. Again, the production value of this thing is amazing for a YouTube video. Everything on this channel is really well done. I've watched a number of their videos, but I would say particularly that this feature-length documentary about Tetris, by far one of the best things you're going to find to be able to watch for free on YouTube. Very cool. And of course, we will include that uh, in the blog post. Michael, shoot me the link and we'll make sure we get that in there. So very cool. Excellent. No, I had looking forward to seeing that video because uh, the trade angle on that, I'm fascinated to, to learn a little bit more about. Okay. Hey, that's uh so very cool recommendation. We go ahead and roll into mine, which doesn't have nearly as much political intrigue per se, but also timely because this was, this is a fairly recent purchase. Uh, went on a trip uh, recently, was going to be uh, away from the home for a good, good solid week. And, um, 
as you've heard on past shows, and I think it's been mentioned, there are a couple cats that hang out in the residence, and we wanted to kind of oh, keep an eye on them a little bit. And uh, a long time ago, I bought my daughter a really nice uh, pet cam, a Samsung Smart Cam, which is just fantastic, super easy to set up. Was around forty bucks, and um, did a great job. But for whatever reason, Samsung's gotten out of that business. They sold it to another vendor, and it is really hard to now get an originally manufactured Samsung Smart Cam anymore. You can buy a lot of them used and refurbished, but you can't get anything new. So, wanted to get one, and so started doing some looking, and came across something. And I'm just, I'm so pleased with this product. I wanted to make the recommendation this week on it, and. I'm a little unclear on Amazon uh, that I can't believe that this is the title uh, or the name of the product, but allow me to read you what Amazon lists as the product title, which is the 1080p security camera, pet camera, two-way audio, baby monitor, night vision, motion detection, home camera, compatible with Alexa, indoor camera, baby camera with cloud storage. So that rolls off the tongue, but it's from NetView, N-E-T-V-E-U. And I think if you go onto Amazon and search on NetView, 1080p security camera you're going to come across this bad boy i was fortunate enough when we were in a hurry to get it and uh, had that next day delivery from amazon which was awesome and i got it for 39.99 it's now listing at 49.99 but fantastic home camera it's got i mean as far as setup goes remarkably easy you connect it to your your wi-fi uh you're connected to your wi-fi network hit a button to do that you download the app, it brings up a QR code. You point the QR code at the camera, camera registers itself. You have the ability for other people who have the app to kind of share the camera. So you don't have to share your Wi-Fi password or anything, but you can actually share the camera with them. So multiple people can have the app and be able to tap into the camera that you approve. And so in terms of setup, it's remarkably easy. It does only work on a 2.4 gigahertz Wi-Fi. So depending on what your environment is, you may want to keep that in mind. But it's a fantastic little camera, really quick setup. It has a, a really about a 180 degree left right pan that you can do. So you bring the camera up and you can basically just drag on the screen, pan left and right about 180 degrees. You can pan up and down as well. And it also has infrared and it's an automatic infrared. And it's actually really good for about up to 32 feet. You still get really good night vision resolution from there. So it was a great little get. Uh, for us to to use to keep track of uh, the cats while we were gone. What I'm really excited about now is it's going to make its way up to my 3D printer, and I'm going to get it stationed there so that when I get some longer prints going, I can check it from work and all that kind of good stuff. So price is right. It's a 50 buck camera. Setup is incredibly easy. Quality and the ease of use and the simplicity of it is just fantastic. So that's my recommendation for the week. Very nice. That, that's really interesting. Um So it sounds like this is a really good quality camera at a really nice price point. It's funny you say that. So not a pet owner, uh, but I've moved to a new secured bunker location. And I was in the market for some cameras just for general security purposes that I could check from my phone. Yeah, I would take a serious look at this because given what I understand about your bunker configuration, a couple of these dropped in a couple rooms would work out great because you're going to be able to basically survey the whole room. And if the lights are off, it's not going to be a problem either. And like I said, price points is fantastic. So that's what caught me when you were saying it, because I've been looking for something that has a balance of price point along with the, the quality that I would need to cover the spaces. Yep. It just, it this is getting the Wi-Fi network out to that space and you're good to go. We'll include a, we'll include a link to, to that as well in the, in the blog post. So 
I think I held my end up on being short. Listen, if you make cool products and you want to give us them, we will talk about them on our show. Absolutely. And so now we just got to get some of these people to hear this. <laughs> That'll be the key. And on that note, folks, I think we're going to wrap it up for this week. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate all the major manufacturers who are going to begin to send Mike and I free stuff that we will review for you. So thanks in advance for that. And I don't have anything else to add for this week unless you do, Mike. Not at all. Just thank you, everybody, for listening. And thank you, Corporate Overlords, for the free stuff. Uh, uh, uh.